Hey, you're listening to Be Your Best with Phil Haugen, where we explain the methods that help bridge the language barrier between horse and rider. Our goal with each episode is to provide you with the training philosophies that will help you to be your best every day. Hey everybody, this is Phil Haugen. Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Be Your Best Horsemanship. I am back home coming to you from the bunkhouse this morning. Last night we had a nice rain, which we really needed. Since I've been back home from this last little run of clinics, boy, it's nothing better than when you get up in the morning and everything's wet and there's some water standing and the temperature's cooled off about 25 degrees. You know, it's been tapping 100 all week here. And so, anyway, I was sure glad to wake up and see that this morning. The sun's just coming up and going to be a beautiful day. This morning while I was drinking my coffee, and of course I'm still drinking a cup of coffee, but I was kind of reflecting back on all the talented trainers that I got to work with through the later spring run and early summer run of clinics and and private clinics. And it becomes more and more apparent how talented everybody is out there and how advanced everybody is. I'm having people at my events that have been in this business a long time and they still have that attitude that they're trying to get a little bit better and trying to find, you know, one thing that might help them a little bit. And that's why our industry just continues to flourish. It's just so encouraging to see because I I look at it like this, you know, I'm I'm 56, going to be 57 in August. And, and, you know, I I look ahead and I think, you know, what's this industry going to be like for my grandkids and their kids and, and their grandkids? And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't be more encouraged. Our industry is really proactive right now. We are really progressing and we've progressed a bunch in the last 18 months in spite of the in spite of all the coronavirus shutdowns and and you know everything that was affected by it. It, it is just really really encouraging to see and it's just it's encouraging to see the talent of the trainers and the people out there. It's really quite amazing. So today, what I'm going to talk about is triggers. It's become more and more apparent to me that to control speed and direction, one of the first things that we have to understand is triggers. And I'm talking about triggers that cause a horse to use the reacting side of their brain and triggers that help a horse to flip that switch back to the thinking side of their brain. You know, whether we've realized it or not, we've always known that there are triggers that stimulate certain responses, whether it be throwing their head up and their tail up and running off, pulling back, rearing, bucking, kicking, biting, or big, strong, smooth stop, a really nice, smooth turnaround, a great transition in speed and direction. To get those responses, just like 
triggers that cause reactive responses, we have to understand what, what's our trigger. What's our trigger? What's going to help our horse flip that switch back to the thinking side of their brain? Because when we ask for a response, the first thing that has to happen is that horse has to be using the thinking side of its brain. And if it's not, then we have to have a trigger that flips that switch. And, and here's an example. Here's something, too, that, that I've learned through the years of teaching and instructing and, and training is that, you know, there were times when I didn't understand the value of a reactive response, meaning just like in the speed events, when we drop our hand and we ask our horse for all they've got, that's stimulating a reactive response. That's stimulating the flight response. Because if you want a horse to run, and this is what I believe, I don't, I don't have any scientific information to back this up, but this is what I believe, is when we drop our hand and we ask our horse for everything they've got, we are stimulating that flight response. And the reason horses can run so fast is quite simply, when you stimulate that response, they run like they're running for their life. And I don't know that horses, and I don't think they can personally, differentiate between me asking them for everything they've got and stimulating that flight response or a bear pack of wolves chasing them. I'm not sure they differentiate between that. Once they flip that switch, I think that flight response is the same for either one. You know, we have to have that trigger to stimulate that because the toughest event in rodeo on a horse is the barrel racing. I mean, to me, bar none, you're out there. You ask that horse, you have three turns. You ask that horse to accelerate, rate, and turn, accelerate, rate, turn, accelerate, rate, turn, and then accelerate again. Well, four times during that run, we ask that horse to run as hard as they can. We're triggering that flight response. This is why that event is so tough, is that the trigger that you have that brings that horse back to the thinking side of their brain has got to be really, really good. And that trigger, to me, has got to be your feel. Because if we're 100% dependent on what we can do with our bridle reins, I think we're in trouble. I think you're in a lot of trouble. When we're doing exercises that we have to show them or ask them in a way that they can find the answer or understand the response we're asking for. And I'll always say, you know, they can't read our minds. Well, that's true. But at the same time, I think sometimes when I have a horse or you have a horse that's really dialed into your feel, I think when you think about asking for a response and there's a slight change in your body to get ready to ask for that response, 
I think they do read that. So they're not really reading your mind, but they're reading that feel, that feel that comes from your body getting ready to ask for a response, and that's your trigger. Horses have got to, you know, they've got to have some warning. You've got to have a trigger that helps them get ready to find the answer to what you ask for next. You know, I always talk about this. It's the signal before the signal, meaning the feel of your body before you pick up that bridle rein. And, you know, in the speed events, you know, the catch 22 is it's just like when I'm at a clinic and we're going through our level one exercises, which is the foundation of my program. I mean, everything that I do is based off of those 10 or 11 exercises in level one. We're always working on them to begin with at a slow speed. Well, at a slow speed, your horse is going to be using the thinking side of their brain. So at a slow speed, it's easy to get the response. Everybody does it. Everybody's horses look pretty decent at a slow speed, right? But what happens is with speed, some people have a trigger that brings their horse back to the thinking side of their brain. And some people are dependent on their bridle rein. And they're the ones that are in a tug of war trying to get that horse's body manipulated to complete a task, whether it be a stop or a turn. It comes down to that trigger. It's really easy for us to trigger a horse to flip that switch and go to the reacting side of their brain. That's really easy. That, that's not hard at all. But to get them to come back to the thinking side of their brain, that's the challenge. If you don't have a trigger and the way you develop a trigger is through consistency by doing the same thing over and over and over and continuing to do it over and over and over so that you continue to reinforce that feel, which the feel is what your body does before you ask with your hands. To me, that's what feel is. And sometimes horses, even when I start to reach down that rein, to them, that, that feel also tells them what's coming. It helps them get ready. When you help a horse get ready, then you can be so light with your directing of that horse's body. You know, whatever rein you're reaching down, you know, that's going to be your direct rein. That's going to be the rein that directs your horse's body through a, through a turn. Or if you reach down, if both hands go down your rein and you sit and you drop your hands and that, that's what's going to help your horse find that big stop and be that trigger that says, okay, I need to get ready. And that's when they get round in their back and balanced on their hindquarters and, and they get ready to have their body in a position to where they can complete the task that they think you're going to ask for or complete the response that you're going to ask for. It's been really, really good for me. You know, this was a this was a year where um, I did more clinics this year than I've ever done, and it was uh, it was a very successful year for our clinics. Worked with great people. We kept our numbers at 
a maximum of 15 at a clinic because I never want to sacrifice the quality of the experience. So all of our clinics will be between 12 and 15 people. And that way I can assure myself that I'll have time to address any issue anybody may have or any questions. And that's one thing that will never change is, you know, I'll never sacrifice the quality of the experience for more numbers, which basically said means to make more money. And don't get me wrong, I've got to make a living just like everybody else. But at those clinics, it's be, it's just become more and more apparent to me. The exercise, the drills, those are all important. And, and there you can do a hundred different exercises, hundred different drills. Lots of talented trainers out there, lots of talented clinicians, very talented people out there. But to me, the key is understanding the triggers. You have to understand what's your trigger, what's going to bring your horse back to the thinking side of their brain. It's just an example, and this is an example that we talk about the second day of of my clinics, every morning we have a meeting and the morning of the second day, I always go around the room and I say, you know, give me a, give me a question, a comment, or if you had an aha moment, you know, I'd like to hear about it because that helps me become better for the next clinic. Or it helps me understand something that to these trainers was, was a very important point. When we do this, there are always those comments about, okay, when I get to a different place, how do I control my horse's anxiety? You know, simple, understand the trigger. Understand the trigger that brings your horse back to the thinking side of their brain. It is going to happen. Anytime you take your horse out of their comfortable surroundings, and you take them out of what they're familiar with and you put them in a situation where there where there's new sights, smells, the environment's different, there's lots of horses, lots of activity, there's probably allowed, you know, there's probably a PA system, music, you know, a variety of things that creates anxiety or insecurity in a horse that does not create confidence. So the first thing I have to do is I have to understand my trigger with that horse. You know, for me, it's usually either lateral flexion, a lateral bending exercise, or my one rein stops. That's, that's, those are my go-tos. Now, with that being said, make sure you're doing them correctly. Make sure you're doing them correctly. And one of the big things there is understand, just like with lateral flexion and one rein stops, your horse has got a, two, two responses you're looking for. Their feet got to quit moving. Their feet got to be dead still and they got to get off the bridle. Because if you don't get those two responses, you're not controlling their feet and you're not getting them balanced on their hindquarters. Meaning getting off that bridle is the first thing that has to happen for a horse to get balanced on its hindquarters or just get off its front end. You know, because a horse is naturally on its front end. I mean, a horse is born front end loaded. A horse is born 
with more weight on its front end than its back end. So getting a horse balanced on its hindquarters, really and truly, I'm just trying to get that horse back 50-50, 50% of its weight on its hindquarters, 50% on its front end. You know, and, and if I can do better than that, great. But to begin with, if I can just approach that, I'm doing good. Once you do that, then I can free that, keep that front end freed up and that front end won't get sticky in a stop or a turn. Those are my go-to triggers. And it's so important that we understand, you know, what state of mind our horse is in. If our horse is using the reacting side of their brain and you just unloaded them on the trailer, well, right then you need a trigger that helps you bring that horse back to the thinking side of their brain. You know, here in that case, for me, I just have a little system where I work that horse on the, with my lead rope back and forth, back and forth until their head drops, their jaw relaxes, they lick their lips and, and their body language is telling me, okay, my, I've got that switch flipped back. The understanding that until you have that switch flipped back to the thinking side of their brain, you're not going to progress that horse mentally, physically. You're not going to progress them in their training. When they're using that reacting side of their brain, they are in flight mode, defense, self-preservation mode. I, I really have to remind myself sometimes, especially when I'm getting frustrated, and, and you're going to get frustrated in this business. That's a given. When I'm getting frustrated and my horse is being reactive, I have to tell myself, how would I act if I was literally scared for my life, if I was literally scared for my life, what would I be capable of doing? I tell you what, if I was literally scared for my life, or especially for the life of somebody that I love, one of my family members, uh, there's no telling what I might do. Well, when a horse is in that state of mind where they're being reactive, they are literally in that thought process where, where self-preservation is taking over. Where they, you know, there are times where they are literally going to be scared for their life. And when you're literally scared for your life, you're going to do things that you wouldn't normally do, plain and simple. So that right there tells you how important triggers are. I'll give you a, a, an example. I've got a, a gelding that I got from a customer of mine, and, and he's, a, he's a nice gelding. But when he came, there were so many things that triggered him to where he would defend himself like he was scared for his life. And this horse does not want to be that way. He wants to be your friend. He wants a friend. And I think it was a result of some things that had happened before he got to, my, well, I know it was a result of things that had happened before he got to my place, not on the owner's behalf, but in another situation that this horse had been in. There were times when I could see in his eye that he was literally scared for his life. And, and when he was in that mindset, he was scary. I mean, 
And if you weren't scared of him, if that didn't scare you a little bit, you better get scared and you better get on, on point because there, there was the potential for some not so great things to happen. And, you know, just like with him and what happened with him is I ended up buying him from that customer. And, and I think down the road, I think he's going to make a nice horse, but I did not trust him with her and her, her children. And, and I told her that quite frankly, I mean, she didn't either trust him. Well, you know, it would be for me, I will probably ride that horse at least a year before I make any determination, or I would probably have to ride him a year before I would trust him with anybody else. But I think he's got, you know, I think he's got a chance. But like with him, I have to be really good with my triggers because I can tell right when I catch him, right when I put the halter on, I can tell which side of his brain he's using. Is he using the thinking side or the reacting side? And I have to pay attention to that. Now, if I address that right then, get him to use the thinking side of his brain, then I take him and saddle him. Then I work him again, make sure he's using the thinking side of his brain. Then I get on and ride off. We get along great. But if I don't, and I don't pay attention to that, you might saddle him and he might buck in the barn. And those are strictly results of triggers. What's triggering that thought process in his mind? And here's the thing about triggers that stimulate the reacting side of their brain. Horses have really good memories. And once there's a trigger that causes a result, that is very, you have to be very, very consistent. You have to be very, very persistent in creating your trigger to overcome that. Because they will remember that. It's just like a customer of mine in, in uh, North Dakota. People I've known my whole life, great people. Their son had called me about a horse that had been bucking basically for four or five years, every time they saddled me, buck, get it over with, and then they go on. Well, I gave him a few ideas of how to create a trigger to change that horse's thought process to using the thinking side of their brain instead of the reacting side. And I talked to the dad this last weekend, and he said, that horse hasn't done it since. Well, that right there tells you it, it's all about that trigger. It's all about that trigger. So be thinking about that because you have to understand triggers if you want to progress horses in their training. And also you need to understand triggers like those of you that are out there rodeoing and asking your horse for their life. When you have the opportunity, you've got to be working on reinforcing those triggers to soften that horse's mind and help your horse use that thinking side of their brain. Otherwise, as the summer goes on, the wheels are going to fall off the wagon. That's what I wanted to talk about today. I wanted to talk about triggers. I want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank all of you out there 
that have been to one of my clinics this year, or done our online courses, or, you know, we've just got, uh, we've got the greatest industry in the world. We just need to keep progressing it, keep promoting it. And I thank each and each and every one of you for that. So have a great week of training. God bless. And as always, today and every day, be your best. Hey, thanks for joining us on today's show. To learn more about the training program that inspired the Be Your Best podcast, head over to philhavenhorsemanship.com and join our online community by following us at philhavenhorsemanship on Facebook or Instagram. This is where we're going to be sharing tons of training tips and information about how you can experience our Training Through Understanding program at one of our upcoming clinics. As you go through the day today, I want to encourage you to figure out one thing you can do to get 1% better, whether that is in your horsemanship journey, your career, or your personal life. Own it and be your best. God bless and have a great day of training.